keep fighting, keep making music. I don't know, that's all I got. Hello and welcome to Unlisted, a Magnet Coil media podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Byers. It's October 2020. It's uh, been some time since last published a podcast uh, on the Unlisted channel. Uh, A couple of things. I recently joined the Health Affairs team to help produce their podcast, their new podcast, A Health Podacy. Uh, You should check that out. Their editor-in-chief, Alan Weil, um, dissects and and goes through some some important health policy papers uh, that we put out. And um, I wanted to promote something, so a little bit of showboating. Uh, I recently put out an EP called Northeast Regional. You can find it on Spotify and Bandcamp um, under the title Northeast Regional Band, the Northeast Regional Band, uh, with some good friends of mine, Neil and James. Um, we recorded the music in April 2019 at Permanent Hearing Damage Studio uh, by Steve Roche in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I completed the vocals um, for in around... Um, August 2020 and, and released it later that month. Um, it sounds uh, a little bit like a, a harder Lemonheads, maybe. Um, check it out. It's about 10 minutes worth of music, and I think it's really fun. And uh, to help talk about uh, that recording, as well as uh, recording in general, I'm happy to have Steve Roche on the show today. Steve Roche and I uh, go back into the the mid-2000s, and uh, it was exciting. This is my first project working with him, recording with him. He's recorded a number of bands, uh, Off Minor and uh, Amateur Party, which I was a big fan of, Brainworms here out in Richmond, and uh, a whole number of others. Um, So it was exciting to work with him, and we talked a lot about what he thinks about when he goes into recording and um, like what you can do if you're interested in home recording. Steve and I also talked for a really long time. I probably edited 15 minutes out of this conversation uh, that was related to Off Minor. Uh, and maybe I, I might put in something at the end of the episode of uh, relating a story story to that. Or maybe I'll, I'll put out those 15 minutes uh, at a later date. But I wanted to keep the focus on, the, on recording. Um, so it was a really fun conversation. And with that, uh, hope you enjoy. Steve Roche, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. So in April of uh, 2019, you recorded a studio project of mine called Northeast Regional. You keep calling it Northeast Corridor, but that's not the uh, oh, shit, that's sorry. not the name. But that's okay. It's okay. We'll we'll fix it in post. And I t- I took I took the I took uh, the New Jersey Transit Line Northeast Corridor so often that that's just like burned into my brain. I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's an Amtrak reference um, from uh, Newport News to uh, South Station in Boston. See, I'm more working class and I I can't afford the Amtrak. So what do I know? Okay. <laughs> so that was a really fun experience. And thanks for uh, allowing us to pay you to record uh, our 10 minutes worth of music. Um, and I was curious about that because we were a studio project. Um, I don't I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, some of my musical projects in the past and I don't think we had any um, sent over any demos or anything. So my first question is, how do you prepare for each recording project as, um, yeah, full stop? I think I don't 
feel I don't like usually like sometimes I'll ask I'll ask questions beforehand. Um, you know, hey, like what you know, what's the instrumentation like? Most of the nine, you know, nine times out of ten, obviously it's like guitar based drums and you know, maybe there's two guitars, maybe there's one guitar, maybe there's three guitars. I don't know. Usually it's it's some some variation of that to some extent. And then, you know, I, I'll ask bands some questions that I think most of the bands I work with, they don't often, they haven't thought about it before necessarily. Like, oh yeah, what the hell do I want my drums to sound like? I don't know, I want my drums to sound like my drums. Like, but you you try to give them some leading questions. Um, it's really just having conversations with the band. You want to say, hey, do you want like a really modern sound sounding drum set? You want like a lot of attack and all this like low end and, you know, just things sounding kind of a little more hyper real. Or do you want to sound like a shitty punk recording from 1980 where like there's no real low end and it's just kind of this buzzy, noisy nonsense. I don't know. Like, I mean, people have different ideas of what is good. And, and I think the hardest thing as an engineer is to figure out what is acceptable uh, performance wise from some people. Cause if there are plenty of things I've worked on that if, uh, if I was in the project, I would be like, no, that's not a keeper. We, we do that again. And, you know, sometimes that's perfectly fine for them. They're okay with it. So you want to not be a jerk and be like, no, that was shitty. You got to do it again. Like it's, that's not my job. I mean, I, I don't think of myself as, as that, but yeah, when, when a band is coming in, I don't normally like, sometimes I'll, I'll listen to their previous recordings to see what, what they, what they, what they're bringing to the table, what they've done in the past. You know, and maybe if I've listened to them and I hear some things about, like, hey, like, tell me what you like about this, what you don't like about this. It's mostly just conversations, but otherwise, like, not like often I will walk in totally cold and just figure it out. Cause I mean, at this point, I've, I don't know, I've probably made, whew, I'm trying to think. I've never really thought about the number, but probably like six or 700 recordings. I've done a lot. So it's rare that I will encounter it in something, some problem that I haven't dealt with. Um, so, but I don't, I mean, granted, I, I make mistakes. I actually just, I working with this solo artist right now who I really, this like singer songwriter is not my thing. It's like a, something a friend brought to me. The person's lovely. She's excellent voice. Um, but, um, she asked me to play drums on it and I recorded drums how I would normally record drums. But as she's adding other elements, I'm like, whoa, this drum sound is not appropriate. This is no good. This is terrible. So I'm actually like probably after this podcast going to re-record the drums to set up totally differently. So I don't know you screw up and you, you figure it out or you fix it or whatever. I mean, if, if need be, I probably could have dealt with what I had, but I think it'll be better served. Um, I'm already rambling. First question. Yeah. There I am. No, Sorry. that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it does get into a question that I was curious about. So, you know, Steve Albini famously, famously has like a lot of opinions and a lot mm -hmm. of uh, experience on recording. And um, he's the only person I can really like point to of like recording, you know, engineer yeah. uh, philosophy guy, um, which is a great phrase I just made up for him. Um, yeah. Apologies. Um but like, do you have a philosophy when it comes to recording and like thoughts about it of like, you know, bringing your perspective to the table <laughs> if and when a band, um, you know, may or may not have such experience of coming into a studio? Yeah, I mean, I, I try to, I feel like his, I know he always says that he's like, he's like a plumber, like Albini says, he's like a plumber, he's like hired, he's there to do a job and do his thing. And I think I'm probably closest to that. I don't know how strict i am to adhering to that 
because often I do work with bands that because if people are going to Steve Albini, if they're spending like I think his his rate on top of the studio might be like twelve hundred a day or something on top of the studio cost. So like if someone's spending that much money, it's probably they're probably not recording their demo or, or maybe they are, but they have money and they know what they're doing. So I feel like he is he's dealing with people typically who have a certain amount of experience. And I don't always have that. Uh, my, my clients don't always have that. So sometimes they really need their handheld through it. And, and where I can, you know, I try to give them some options, trying to not overwhelm them with options. Um, <clears throat> you know, if someone doesn't seem to have a strong idea of what they want their guitar to sound like, or what they want their drums to sound like, you know, I'll, I'll try to be like, okay, what, how about something like this? Or why don't we just set it up? Why don't you just play and set up and I'll see what it sounds like. And, you know, I try to, I try to not be too, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to like make them sound like I want them to sound. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of times, even bands who do know what they're doing. I listen to the guitar sound. I'm like, Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. You like that? And be like, Oh, well, Hey, let's, you know, sometimes I'll gently be like, Hey, let's, let's turn off this like $20 distortion pedal and just try the amp distortion on this like $2,000 amplifier. That's probably pretty cool. Huh? And they'll like play around with it. And sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Sometimes they're like, oh yeah, that actually sounds a lot better. And sometimes they're like, yeah, but I, I like the other one better. And I'm like, okay, all right, you know, I, I lost, that's fine. Um, you know, you you I think my philosophy changes with the project a little bit. Uh, I mean, generally it is probably closest to Albini's, you know, be the plumber. Yeah. Um, but I do try to step in a little bit. I've not, I'm not gonna be overbearing. I usually don't tell people what I think of things unless they tell me unless they ask my opinion. Um, sometimes I will, if it's like something where it's like really obvious and I'm like, okay, I think you do that better. Like, let's try again. And especially in time, you know, now that we're not an analog tape, I don't have to worry about it. You know, if they can't do it better, like, oh shit, I screwed up. Yeah. We should have kept that tape, but that's obviously not a problem anymore. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I've been thinking about this in general. So uh, that was uh, our first recording together. You and I working together. Mm -hmm. with that and really enjoyed the experience. And I kind of felt that you were there to help facilitate the ideas, but I really loved uh, how you made Neil slow down his drum parts on the first song of just like listening. Um, Cause it was just so fast and just like, it was like, um, but other projects I've worked on, I've recorded with um, Will Killingsworth who also had a, I felt a similar approach and I guess what I'm getting at is like no one I've ever recorded with has been like Mr. Producer or Mrs. Producer and like had a, a large opinions. And I kind of wonder if that's just like the product of the culture that we, we came up with. I would say partially that, but also because like, I think, I think I'm like probably, I think I'm a couple of years older than you probably not much, but I got a couple on you. And I think like when I was coming up, like, the studios near near where I grew up, like none of my bands had any business really going into a studio at the time, but the, like the the studios near me, they were expensive. And because like, I mean, I think ADATs had just had been out for a couple of years. They were still really expensive. They sounded terrible, but still people were mixing through an analog desk. Like to have a recording studio, you needed like some, you needed like a serious amount of money to start a recording studio, even if it wasn't amazing, like you needed some money. Whereas now you could, you, you could have, because you conceivably have a recording studio right now. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You, know, you probably wouldn't be record, record a full band with like a drum set and stuff. You probably, if you were 16, you probably could figure it out, you know, mm -hmm. like, 
but it the the playing field is so is so evened out now it's kind of nuts especially with like digital audio has come so far like i cannot imagine if i had unlimited tracks when i was like 20 years old i mean i'm sure i would have made recordings that sounded horrible but like i you know but just to have all of access to all this gear whereas like i remember you know i would be like okay well i have two compressors so i need to use it on the vocal and i need to use it on the bass drum and that that's it that's all i get you know like you 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 have to but anyway yeah i, I think that is um partially a function of like punk world you know just we're all you know fairly you know we we all like we all swim in the same in the same waters here you know and uh yeah, and and I think, but I think also part of it is just because it isn't such a weird mis mystery, like mysterious black box where you're like paying the expert, you know, x amount of dollars. And is back back in the '90s, yeah, like studio owners had money and they were like recorded, like even if they recorded stupid local bands, like they had they were often really opinionated and kind of dicks. Like I think that was kind of normal. Uh, you know, I know best. Fuck you. Like, you know, you're a teenager. What do you know? Um, granted, like, I didn't know anything, but, like, I recorded some things back then that I think, I don't think I did a terrible job of. And I feel like, considering I cost nothing, I probably was a better deal than, like, going $400 a day at this at this dude with a two-inch tape machine. Like, I don't know. I've never recorded on uh, anything but digital. So I've, I've never done analog. And to be honest, I don't know if I would be able to handle it in, in some ways. Um, I don't, I mean, I, I know there are still people who do it. I know some people who still do it, but it just seems like they're like, I, as a person who's owned tape machines and only recorded to tape for many years, like they're paying, like tape machines are paying the ass. They require a lot of maintenance and they're very limiting. Like just the, the, the ease of, of editing for, for digital is so wild. Just like, yeah, man, I mean. It's just funny. I remember actually you mentioned we were talking before we started, we hit the record button. Uh, we were talking about Brendan. I remember when I recorded Brainworms, there was like, I did this effect. Uh, I had like a distortion on the snare drum, I think. And there were a couple roles in like the first song of the record that like, it was a little like overblown, like a little crazy sounding. And like, but the that like had that happened now, I could just quickly go in and fix it. They could have just emailed me or whatever. But like Brendan, you know, I like talked. To, I think we talked on the phone about it. it was it was like, well, do we like come back up there to do this? Because I would have had to like recall the whole thing. And anytime I I had done recalls before on a couple a handful of things, and often I would always feel like my second mix was worse than the first one. Like so, it was always weird. But yeah, I, but anyway, but that that whole that whole thing is like. That was it was just like such a pain in the ass just to like get it to where it was and who knows what you remember or forget because you'd have notes all over the place i'd like have draw like marker and tape all over my console like oh okay for this course this fader needs to go to this line and then the whole rest of the song needs to be here and so sometimes you could like you're like hey 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 you drummer like you know you're you, you're on these faders like do that you know so that was kind of fun it was like a performance but the fact of the matter is you're focusing on like doing all the stuff and not necessarily listening to what is happening so yeah 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 anyway. so how did you fix the the drum roll oh we didn't it stayed that's it's on the it's on the record, it's on the record that way and to this day when i hear it i'm like eh, yeah it was a little a little too much but mm. so yeah i you are uh, i do have a couple of years uh on me and i remember actually the first term 
uh, not to be weird, I remember hearing your name was when you recorded a bunch of those WNYC recordings when oh wnyu yeah 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 oh, yeah wnyc, WNYC I, I wish that that would have been a paying gig at least wnyc is like i think a, a, a npr that's the npr affiliate there wnyu is 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 bit bit bit, bit lower <laughs> lower in the spectrum but but i remember it was yeah. cool like um when like 12 hour turn came mm-hmm. to richmond and then hearing that wnyu recording and uh when to dream of autumn i think mm-hmm. i really like that recording but yeah so you've been doing this for a oh, recording for a while so like specifically from the the new york uh wnyu days yeah, like sorry. so how long have you been recording like you know what would you like kind of wish you told yourself now in that time about like how to put everything together and i'm sure the environment's different and it's all live and, and that sort of thing but just like how are how's uh how's your journey been I mean, the journey's been good, and I think I've ultimately ended up in a good place. I mean, I wish I, I wish I sat in on more sessions and saw other engineers work, because um, I didn't do that much, and I think that made me make a lot of mistakes. And I think like tape helped me for a long time. Like tape was cool. I mean, that was my only real option, um, and I'm glad I did tape for a while. But um, when I switched to digital, I had to kind of start over and learn a bunch of things because there were things there are things that tape does for you that digital that that you don't think about or know about really if you if you only live in that world, like um, <clears throat> like a lot of the sub low frequency information, like in a guitar or whatever or anything even a bass drum like does it the tape can only capture so much of it so you lose a bit of that but digital gets all of it. And the thing is, if you have all of this low frequency inf- like information, you just eat up headroom. It just makes a mess of your mixes. And I remember like finally utilizing, you can lop all that stuff off with just like a simple EQ. And when I finally started doing that on like toms, toms were a big thing for me. I always had a hard time because I'm, I'm a drummer. I, I like pride myself on my drum sounds and I was very happy with my drum sounds. But then always like when these mixes would come, I would work on these mixes and the toms would never come through the way I wanted them to. And I finally started lopping off all those real low frequencies. I was like, oh, here it is. They're, they're there. They can come through and they don't like make a goddamn mess of it out of everything. So I'd just be turning them up and turning them up. I could hear they're, they're, I could see they were getting louder, but I wouldn't really, they wouldn't have the right impact or they would just, it would just impact everything else in a bad way. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that I, I've gone the way I've gone, I guess. But I, I yeah, I mean, I, there's so much shit I would have told myself. I would have told myself to never buy, the two inch tape machines that I bought because they were garbage. That was literally the worst purchase I've ever made in my entire life. One is still in my dining room downstairs. It's a boat anchor. I will never probably be able to get rid of. So um, yeah, I mean, I wish I'd gotten into digital recording sooner. I wish I'd done, I wish I did a bunch of things differently, which is I think everyone with everything, but um, you know, uh, I think in the end it's worked out well. Um, I, yeah, I do. I do. uh think that spending time at other studios would have been would have been good and helpful yeah back then i don't know so like you've you've said you've had a lot of recordings on your belt what do you like when you think about like steve roche's uh representative recording what mm. do you think of it would probably be something it would definitely be something newer like i don't know i think i'm always improving and getting better at things and i think like uh i mean stuff i i just even did in the last like six months or a year like i was i I played in this band boar war that i was i was really proud of i did it with my brother for a long time 
And uh, <clears throat> actually, admittedly, my friend Shane came out and helped with the tracking. He recorded a lot of a lot of the basics for that. But I did mix it all myself, and I did some of the recording. So I don't know that I even take credit for all of that. But it, it, it sounds very good. I'm very happy and proud of that. Like, or even like this, like, there's this kind of a... I would call them like kind of a crusty black metal band from here called Witching. They're really good. They're dear friends of mine, and they just did it was a it was an EP. It was a one it was one song that was like seven eight minutes long or something, but it was awesome. And I like busted my ass on it, and I think it came out really well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think mostly like things I've done more recently. Like I I definitely would be like as proud as I am to have like I Off Minor was like my band. That was like my heart. Like that was I played in that band for ten years. We did. I was so proud of what we did as a band, and like we, we went all over the world. Like we did a lot of things I never thought I would do in my life. And, um, but those recordings, like, I think the last record I was starting to kind of get my head around it, but I think I made some mistakes recording wise in that too. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm still proud of things about them, but yeah, like I like this dude. This label's supposed to be reissuing all of them all of our records and i want to remix at least Inominate because that one i think sounds the worst of all of them and i've been remixing it for like years now at this point and i i mean i'm almost done but i like also don't touch it for months at a time so hopefully i'll finish it someday but yeah yeah but that uh so uh, i loved amateur party uh i don't oh, know thanks. if i have talked about that really and um just a for some reason like it, that band really gets me i don't i don't know oh, why I really, it was really fun i love yeah. that band but yeah. uh and i pulled out the lp in, in preparation for this and i noticed it said the recording took two years or something along those lines so when you're talking about like remixing your own stuff taking three years like yeah how how why are you taking such a long time <laughs> or like what's the longest project you've done? i think if you don't have a deadline it's it's kind of hard to push yourself sometimes especially like so something that i don't care about is not a like if some like amateur party i cared about is it was like it was fun and i enjoyed the band and like I, it was more like the band kind of existed in like fits and starts like we would we would like do stuff for a while and then not practice for like two months. Like, so it was, so that that's kind of an amateur party, like had a lot of like lineup changes, basically. Like I wasn't like the only person who was in the band the whole time was McKee and um, Mike and Mike was like one of my oldest friends in Philly. Like I met him when he was in kill the man, when I still lived in New York and Andrew Martini played bass, but then we did some stuff as a band and then Andrew moved to New York and then we didn't do anything for six months. And Mike's like, do you want to try it? with someone else and I was like sure so our friend Scott started playing and then Jeff Ziga played guitar for a while and then this guy Herbie played guitar for a while and our friend Emily would sing with us sometimes like we we went through like all these different incarnations and I think part of it had to do with like like Mike was the driver of the band he wrote the songs and he was like as many of us are is his own worst critic and I think like it makes me sad because I, I I love the music he makes I think he's like fun and funny and really smart and like he's doing awesome stuff now just not musically sadly uh but i do wish he would still make music but yeah he now runs like a homeless shelter in in philly which is really cool um called broad street ministry um and uh yeah but yeah i mean i like that that record was more like it was just like a matter of like gaining and losing momentum it was just like this thing like but yeah, but I mean, but off minor, like that's something that's really close to my heart. So like, I don't want to like just hurry up and like throw it out there because at this point, I've also because even 
I mean, I think my skills have improved a lot in the last couple of years, even. But every time, every like six months, I look back, I'm like, oh, I should have done this this way or what, you know, like you kind of reinvent yourself every few months, you know, or if every year, maybe like recording. So I'll like, so it's, I mean, I've started over with remixing a nominate probably four or five times, I would guess. Because sometimes also I had a tendency, I think, way back when to just, if something wasn't working, I would just keep pushing and pu- pushing and adding stuff on and adding stuff on. And I think now I know that if that, at least for me, if that starts happening, I need to be like, okay, hold on. And just take a bunch of shit off and pull everything down and kind of start building up again. Because if you end up, you keep throwing stuff on and adding stuff on, it just ends up really overcooked and you lose dynamics and it suffers and it ends up sounding smaller and just, it just loses something. So um, like some, some amount of like spontaneity, I think is good in working on records. And, uh, and I think, but also just approaching it fresh is kind of cool and nice sometimes. But yeah, I think that is why I think that, that particular thing has taken me so goddamn long and yeah. hopefully I'll finish it someday. We'll see. And is it, interest it seems interesting so maybe it's not interesting to you but to me so um i can't i don't remember when that off minor record w- was put out and you're talking about how it's being remastered so it seems like a, just a record that's been like omnipresent for the maybe the past decade i or something like what's I mean, it like, like to work through that no well it was like it was like it was so like i never like because i like i've now that I now that my studio is effectively in my house, I have a lot more opportunity to go mess around with it. Whereas my studio was where you guys recorded in a warehouse in North Philly, and so I have to go there purposefully to like go do this thing. And yeah, especially once like COVID hit, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have all this time. I'm gonna knock this out. I'm gonna put up all these like live sets. Of course, I've done fucking none of that too. I have all of these live NYU sets that I still haven't posted. That is a little trickier because I usually like I don't want to like blindside anybody. I always contact the band and make sure they're cool with it. I'm like, okay, hey, if this ever actually makes 25 bucks, I'm just going to give you all the money. Like, just so you know. And I've yet to have a recording hit that threshold. So, (laughs) I mean, there are a couple that are getting close, but uh, still hasn't happened. Uh, Or maybe one did. And I think I wrote them. I was like, hey, let me just give you this money. And they're like, "Eh, don't worry about it. But um, anyway, but I, I... it's it's just a different situation now that it's here. I like feel like I can spend all this time with it, and then of course I don't. So, yeah, I, I totally lost the question that had been asked. I'm sorry. Um, I was just thinking, like, so we recorded the six songs with Northeast mm-hmm. Regional in um, April of 2019, and we had asked uh, John from uh, Timeshares to do the vocals, and he yeah. he and so he couldn't do it, and I realized he wasn't going to be able to do it after a year. And, but I was I was stoked that he came and hang out, uh, hung out with us uh, during that recording. It was a really fun session. Um, yeah. But uh, so I felt like I just had it in the back of my head for the entire year mm-hmm. of like this creative project that I kind of wanted to. I can be impatient, mm-hmm. so that I wanted to like get out into the world. So like twenty people could maybe maybe twenty people yeah. could listen to it, but also just for posterity and it was a fun thing to do. Gotcha. Yeah. So with the off minor thing at a whenever you've you know wrote the songs recorded it released it the mm-hmm. first time and then uh label asked you to to do another r- release of it and then trying to remix it for that such a long it seems to me like a recording or a spot in time that you 
is kind of maybe always in the back of your head. And, and I don't want to put like your experience, you know, I'm not trying to tell you your experience, but that sounds like an interesting thing of like a, mm. a, a creative project that continues to like follow. Yeah. It's, it's weird. I mean, so, I mean, I tell people a lot that like a record is like, especially in, in our world, like bands don't have, I mean, I don't think many bands have the, the, the leash, like the time and resources to try out snare drums for every song for like multiple days. Like that's just yeah. not, that's not what we do. So, so I think the fact of the matter is that like, yeah, yeah. I tell bands, I'm like, look, you're, we're trying to make the best like snapshot of your band that we can make in the time that we have to do it. So it's like, you know, you, you do the best you can with it. You know, it, like there's probably going to be stuff that's going to bug you and not perfect. You know, it's not gonna be perfect, but like, I think we can still add it with something good. And I think like the off minor thing in particular, that record, I mean, I got to record it in 2004. So, I mean, I, I was pretty, still pretty green. Even I probably had only had a, a 16 track for like three years at that point. Like I, I, didn't I mean I knew some things, but I didn't know a lot of things. <laughs> and I, I made so many mistakes recording it that I even like the skills that I have now can help it, but still can't get it to really where I would love it to be. And I think that's part of the reason why it's taken me forever. Gotcha. Um like I can't I mean I could sure I could like go play the drums over on it, which seems insane. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> yeah. think I should do that. I've been tempted to. Um just like i don't know it's so i mean i'm like okay well i can put like samples in to like beef up some of these drum sounds or whatever it's just like, but i'm trying to like recreate all this stuff it's just really funny shit that like i didn't even like so for example uh there's one song in particular there's a couple songs in particular on the record where i didn't realize the bottom snare mic just cut out and i didn't notice because i would be like getting sounds I'm like oh yeah there it is whatever and then like when the you know song starts going like I maybe didn't see the meter moving or anything, but on drums, that's not unusual. Like, mm -hmm. you know, tape machines have U meters often. So, and drums are often too move too quickly to, to, you know, uh, show up. So, uh, but then when I brought into the digital world, I was like, Oh shit, <laughs> this is really <laughs> fucked up. Like, how can I fix this? And I try to get creative about it, but you know, I don't know. That's the thing is I, I don't want to like much as I want to like, fix everything i i can't really let myself fix everything because i think it's going to sound weird so i don't know it's this we it's a weird it's a weird thing like i like i listen to the recording i hate so many things about it that i like and it's just i don't i don't think i think i need to give myself a deadline because otherwise it will never be done so anyway. we've been talking for a while thanks for your time two more questions um if you if someone was to ask for advice of like, hey, I, I want to start um, recording in my bedroom or something along those lines, uh, you said you're a gearhead. What would you like uh, put them on to? Uh, I would honestly tell them to invest. Honestly, this is the thing. This is this is the advice everyone gives that no one fucking listens to. You you want to like invest in your listening environment the most. Like you want to get monitors that are decent. Um, and you want to treat more than anything, you want to treat your goddamn room. So if you are sitting in a room that is small and you have sound bouncing off all the walls, it's going to impact what you hear. Like I have, we're standing at my desk in my control room and I have above me, there's like a little cloud. It's, uh, it's wrapped in burlap. It is a giant, um, it's like an eight foot, <laughs> like four foot, uh, 
thing of uh, rigid fiberglass that's wrapped in burlap that is suspended from the ceiling. And I have panels on the walls and I have my monitors like isolated from my desk and I have a subwoofer and like it that also isolated from the floor, just stuff that you want, you like, you don't want, you want to make sure you're, what you're hearing, you're hearing things accurately. That is the, probably the most important thing. Cause I think I didn't mix with the subwoofer until probably a few years ago. And the reason I did it is I, and then I remember like going back after the fact and listening back to some records that I'd done. Uh, and I was like, whoa, shit, like all this buildup was in the low end. I didn't even hear it or all It's like, you don't, you don't know what's going on. And that, that makes your recordings worse. <laughs> so even if, if 99% of people aren't going to hear those frequencies, they still impact the overall sound. So okay. that would, that would, those, that would be it. That, like when people say that, cause they do, that's literally what almost everyone says and mm -hmm. they, people should fucking listen to it. They don't, I, I didn't listen to it. So, but um, yeah. you should. <laughs> okay, <laughs> great. And um, what are you working on currently? Uh, you've been in twenty thousand bands. Um, what are you working on now, as far as recording and uh, music wise? Uh, music wise, uh, I have a couple projects. Uh, the one that probably was most active until we, until COVID hit, was uh, this band called None But Equals. It's with um, Nick and. Ryan from that band 1905 from DC and my friend Willie who played in Boer War with me. Um, I also play in like, well, I was doing Iffy with Tim Morris and a friend Al. I don't know what's happening with that band. Uh, and I was playing in this like kind of D-beat, goofy, hardcore band called, I think, I think we decided on the name. I think they had decided previous to what I, when I joined the band. That they're going to be called camo so I, I can't take claim any responsibility for that awful name but uh that was, that's it um recording wise uh got a bunch of stuff actually uh this band from they're from san diego and phoenix i believe they're called king chiefs there's kind of like a desert rock kind of stonery things pretty cool yeah that's almost done uh i'm working uh with oh i think we talked about this a little bit eric smith from the catalyst he has this solo record that throughout COVID he's been coming because he you know he lives by himself so he's just been coming here by himself um working on it um what does that sound did, like it sounds like what you would expect the next catalyst record to be that's what so, that's what we thought yeah just wanted to confirm yeah I gotcha I, I uh, maybe, music, I'll, maybe, so. maybe I'll see if, if he if uh, I'm allowed to share anything with you and I will I can if, wait if he gives me the the green light it's it's really good I'm really excited and I think he does want to make it a real band, so theoretically, I would play drums. We'll see. Uh, he did. He like literally programmed all of the drums himself, and he did a really good job. I mean, he clearly took a long time to do it, but uh, he did a very good job. And uh, uh, I'm excited because when he first moved to Philly a few years ago, he had a bunch most of this already written, and he sent it to me. And I think, well, I don't think he was prepared because I think he'd worked on it so long. I don't think he was prepared for me to actually have input. <laughs> so that didn't go over so well. So, uh, yeah. So he, that just kind of like died in the vine. But um, yeah. So I've been working on that. Uh, and um, my friend Yanni, uh, from Stinking Lizavetta, um, he has brought in this this woman as singer songwriter i don't know what she is is going under if she has like a name that she's performing under this is like her first thing she's she's pretty green she's got a beautiful voice this is the thing i need to re-record drums for tonight so yeah. um yeah so those those are in process uh there's a, like one of those guys in king chiefs is sending me another record to work on to mix uh 
and uh, there's a there's a thrash metal band that has time booked in a couple weeks. I don't know what they are called yet. I think they're new. But yeah, and also, I mean, tracking is obviously something that doesn't happen super often right now in COVID. Yeah. Like, I have a setup. Um, so the studio is in my my basement. The live room is in the basement. I am on the second floor in the control room here. And, you know, I have cables and everything going back and forth. Um, but bands can go in. They can go around the back and come in the house through the back door and go straight down to the basement so they don't walk through the house. And... Um, I haven't had a, a a whole band track yet here. Like I've had a few bands of multiple of a couple people track here, but not like not four or five people. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what what that will look like when I have to cross that bridge. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what I've done so far is people perform in the basement when they're done. Maybe able to listen to anything, they can come up here, shoes off, you know, masks, all that shit. So um, yeah, so I'm still feeling that out, admittedly, but it's been working out so far. Okay, great. Well, I'm gonna not ask you about running the health clinic at this time, <laughs> but um, that sounds like an interesting story at the same time. Um, it's but, cool. Uh, I mean, I will I will say real quick that I do miss like I used to work with patients directly at Planned Parenthood, and I will say that uh, that was super super rewarding uh, just to see like actually be able to help people and like really feel like you're doing good work and and like a good force in the world which is awesome like i i I still work for Planned parent i believe in what we do but it's much more abstract for me now as i don't get to have those face-to-face interactions oh great do you have any uh final final thoughts or or anything you want to tell the people uh i don't know i mean i'm sure hopefully hopefully do i speak to anyone in the future is this going to come out after the election (laughs) you know maybe Perhaps. All right. Well, it depends if, on if, how lazy I am. Okay. Well, if you're, depending on how lazy you are, if this is after, <laughs> if this is before the election, obviously go vote. I'm sure everyone who listens to this knows to do already. If this is after the election. I really fucking hope we got <laughs> our fucking dipshit idiot president out of there and have a slightly less horrible president <laughs> coming in January. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Fuck. Keep fighting. Keep making music. Oh, that's all I got. That's good. Yeah. Steve Roche, thank you. Thanks, man. Thanks. You were listening to Unlisted, uh, a podcast by Magnet Coil Media. I'm your host, Jeff Byers. Uh, Check us out on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any of that. Check out Northeast Regional on Spotify, Bandcamp, etc. Thanks, and hope you have a great day. Minor lost plenty of money. Like it literally, I I was the only one in the band with a credit card, and I literally bankrupted myself in, from that band. <laughs> like, granted, it was a lot of my own foolish decisions, you know, helped helped along. But um, yeah, I mean, we did. Let's see. The worst thing was we did. We had done a. We had a, in two thousand four. We toured the west coast of Amanda Woodward for two weeks. We went to Australia and then New Zealand and then came back. And what we were supposed to do was do a week in the UK. And then because we were over there anyway, we were going to do a week straight quick through Europe, play Yaga's last show, all this stuff. But Jamie had a schedule conflict and we ended up not being able to buy our tickets to Europe until one week before. And we had to miss all of the UK shows except for two of them.
had I been sensible, I would have been like, all right, fuck it, we're just canceling it all, which is what we should have done, <laughs> but we did not. So we flew, bought tickets a week before, flew to fucking England, then flew to Ireland to play two shows in Ireland, and then flew to France and like did this this short little stint that was supposed to be like the extra bonus thing that was end up being the tour. But then like a bunch of shows got screwed up, one of them fell through, like band broke down, just like whatever. And I mean, that would like pushed me on on my way toward bankruptcy, uh, personal bankruptcy. So yeah.